True and False Disciples from the sermon series, Sermon on the Mount, spoken by Pastor Michael Carrion. Somebody clap because God is good. Come on. Woo! Seriously, is that all the goodness that God has for you? Somebody really clap because God is good. Come on. Right? I'm not trying to pump you up before we get into the Word of God. But the fact that we're in this room together, this many people after so many months of being isolated socially, right, is a miracle of God. Everything that Pastor Peter stated, praise be to God, that God is bigger than fear and he's bigger than any virus. Somebody say amen if you believe that. In the Bronx, where we do a lot of our ministry in the South, South Bronx, we still see churches struggling. Some churches were decimated by COVID-19, will never open again, which means the missional extension of the kingdom of God and those local communities will need other churches and other planters and other gospel movements to come in and breathe light and salt and bring light into dark places. This thing didn't just hit us in our physical bodies it hit us. Matter of fact, and let me just park here for 30 seconds and then we'll dive into this thing. There was already pandemics happening amongst people of color before COVID-19 hit. That's right. Whether we acknowledge that or not. In the margin space where most people are living in truncated living quarters and uh, resource famine situations where they don't have the same medical access or the same food uh, or, or, or farm resources all throughout the city, all throughout counties like Newark and, and parts of Inglewood. There are people suffering in the cracks and crevices. Those people were already suffering before COVID, and now they suffer even the more. Coming out of it is going to be a long time. And the reality is many people would question, are we ever going to go back to normal? I love that pastor stated that. Well, there's a new normal. The only thing we can hope in and give God praise for is that Jesus, if we're holding on to him, no matter what we face, we will embrace a new rhythm and we'll see the hand of God like we've never seen it before because I truly believe that. I believe that miracle signs and wonders, I believe that in this hour where it seems like everything is fragmented, everything is polarized, I believe this is the time and this is the season for the church of many colors to rise up and be the church that preaches Jesus and revival and awakening and signs and wonders. I really believe that. And though you be part of the Iglesia Reformada, the Reformed Church, which says that some of these gifts were not for the 21st century, but only for the first century, I believe God is above right. even our theological constructs. Uh, some of you, I don't know some of the familiar faces. Some of you are wearing masks, so maybe I know you, but I don't know you. Uh, you know, so I'll holla. It's good to be back in the building after so much time. Matter of fact, the last time I was here, I caught COVID that week, and I was laid up. Let me tell you something. Park here. Uh, my, my wife caught it before me, and I was telling, you know, my wife's, you know, Puerto Rican sister from, from the island, and, you know, I was like, you know, come on, you know, man up a little bit. You know, this thing is, you know, just... You know, what's the matter with you? You're sick, you're coughing all over me. Don't touch my pillow type thing, you know, and this, that, and the other. But then when I caught COVID about seven months later, babe, I felt like I was dying. 
And I don't even understand how this woman dealt with that because I was like, they had to call the ambulance. They had to give me an infusion because it was so bad. But God got me through it, amen? God got me through it. God got some of you through it too. You may not want to say that because, you know, I know that you don't want to bring any light to yourself. But God, God will get you through some things. I'm in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. We're in the middle of the Matthew, just means Matthew, Matthew series. We're coming out of some great preaching and teaching. I mean, there's been some serious word unpacked thus far. If I could title this message, it would be in the, in the, in the nuance or in the flavor of the African-American Caribbean church. Whenever you walk into an African-American Caribbean church, if there's some real old school saints there, they go, Lord, 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 Lord. They just say, Lord, I mean, that's all that. There was a, 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 a minister at our church, African-American, maybe 65, and had several ailments, and he would walk in, and he would say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, 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 Lord. He was so in love with Jesus and had such a thriving relationship with him that he would say, Lord, throughout his days, even until God called him home. And when you look at people like that who are older in the faith, who really have relationships, those are idols, those are mentors for you to turn around and follow. Because there is a difference of saying, Lord, and there's a difference of knowing who the Lord is and having a thriving relationship with the Lord. If I could put it in layman's terms, how many of you have seen the movie Matrix? Matrix chapter one. Need Keanu Reeves, right? I love that movie. Uh, there's a part toward the, toward the end where Keanu is running and he gets to the subway station and this person that's sleeping there turns into the Agent Smith and he rises up. And now Morpheus, right, and Trinity are watching through the screen as Keanu or Neo has the opportunity to run in the other direction. Trinity uh, says to Morpheus, what's he doing? And Morpheus says, he's beginning to believe. He's beginning to really believe who he is. And you have one of the most famous, I mean, animated fights recorded on cinema. I've watched that movie a thousand times. And I still watch it with enthusiasm because the fight scene is so fire. It's just fuego. Something happens when we believe. Something happens when we move past knowledge base to actually living out a relationship. When he started to believe in the prophetic, he started to walk in the prophetic. He started to fight in the prophetic. The, the oracle gave him a prophetic word. It says, you know, you got the goods, but you're caught up on something. I pray, I pray. My prayer is that those that are watching this at home, those that are listening to the sound of my voice, I pray that you're a Neo or a Trinity waiting to be awakened Amen. at the name of Jesus. Yeah. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 21. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. The Bible says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, this is Jesus saying, I will declare to them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In this translation, other translations say iniquity, which is another word for sin. You workers of sin, he calls them as he unpacks the stuff and how they were doing ministry within the context of the church. He's calling church people sinners as they remind him of how they served him. In the last 30 years of ministry, I've been privileged to serve in different contexts, in different places, in different scenarios. And in all of the studies in seminary, after 30 years, having studied the Bible, this is still one of the scariest texts in the Bible for me. And it should be for every pastor, every leader, every teacher, every preacher. This text should wake you up and make the hand of back of your neck stand up in a special way. A way of sober, sobering up. A way of realizing and owning. It is so easy in Western Christianity to acquiesce to routine. It is so easy to just come to church Fall in love with the social gathering of the church, especially now that we're coming back from COVID. Some of us haven't seen each other, and I just saw three or four brothers I haven't seen in a year, over a year. And say, like, hey, how you doing? How are you? We get so caught up in each other, sometimes we miss Jesus. We get so caught up in things in church sometimes that we actually miss the King of Kings. We actually get so caught up in ministry sometimes, sometimes we're so busy serving, we forget who we're serving. I don't know if you're hearing me this morning, and I'm not trying to guilt anybody or make anybody feel bad, and I pray that I don't uh, instill a different type of fear as we dive into the text, because this is a really intense text, and it's speaking about not getting into heaven. It's speaking about those who are in the beloved community, but don't have access to glory because they were doing things, but it wasn't for Jesus. This is by far, like I stated, the scariest because, in my humble opinion, to be engaged in supernatural activity, and when we're serving the poor, that's a supernatural activity. When we're visiting those that are in prison, that's a supernatural activity. I could testify about that all day. Because when my mother was doing seven years in Bedford Penitentiary for Women, it was somebody who came into that women's prison to speak to my mom, and that changed the game. It was somebody that spoke to my father when he was in Elmira, doing 22 years in jail, that changed the game and the trajectory for his life. When somebody comes in and brings forth Jesus, Changes, transforms, doors open up, chains fall off. People all of a sudden can see what they couldn't see before. People can hear what they couldn't hear before. People can believe what they couldn't believe before. Now, can you imagine being engaged in ministry and the supernatural, facing the very powers of darkness, facing fallen angels and not having an actual relationship with Jesus, the King of glory? Who would want to do that? Who would want to play with eternal fire like that? Engage in the supernatural without the supernatural. We cannot take our natural intellect into supernatural situations. We cannot take 
our degrees off of the wall and present them to the demonic. We cannot take our experience, right, or what we've been exposed to in life and say, this is enough to deal with principalities and powers and rulers and wickedness in high places. We need the king of kings. We need to walk in under the authority and under the submission of the Holy Spirit and under King Jesus. To not do so, to, to, to walk into these situations of ministry and servitude without Jesus? Now let's be honest. Let's be real transparent. It is so easy to just work in church. It is so easy to, to, to talk a Christian language. You know, we walk around and we say, I love you to everybody. We know we don't love everybody. Come on, somebody say amen. Someone's be like, oh my God, so good to see you. I love you, I love you too. You don't love me, don't say that. We hug everybody. So good to see you. And you say this sometimes without liking the person who you're talking to. Sometimes people are coming and trying to get to you through the cracks and crevices of the chair and you say to yourself or you say to your spouse or you say who's with you, are they coming? Are they looking in this direction? Well, let's just look. Let's walk this way. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Before they see us, let's go. This is the type of hypocrisy we live out all the time. This is the type of hypocrisy that is the norm in our lives. Let's be honest about that. Let's own that. Because that's, how we, that's what we go home to. All of us, no matter what our culture, no matter what our background, all of us have some of that. Right? we got to stay tapped in. We've got to stay stepped in. Let me say this to you, church. Lip service and religious routine are not acceptable to God. He doesn't want sacrifice. He doesn't want religion. Psalmist says this, a broken and contrite heart he will never despise. A heart that is humbled before him he will never cast away. Your lip service and religious routine are not acceptable to God. You must be born again. Now what does that mean? Because we throw that out there like that. What does that mean to be born again? That you've had an encounter with Jesus. You know, and, the, and I come out of the charismatic uh, movement. And so for us in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the old school charismatic church, but being born again means that you came to the altar, said a three-minute prayer, and then you leave. And what happens is that because we have such a shallow definition of what the salvation, of what salvific grace is, many times in the Pentecostal experience, what happens is that salvation stops at the altar. It stops right here. Then we go back to sinful lives and broken lives and defeated lives. An experience with Jesus may not be a, 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 a prayer at the altar, it may be a prayer on the way to the store. It may be a transformation that happens in your study group. It may be in the cell group. It may be as you're, as you're doing worship, all of a sudden the power of God comes upon you and you start to cry out and you start to surrender your life to God. To be born again is to have given your soul, your life. Lord, come into my life. Transform me. Heal me. Forgive me. You acknowledge and you own that you, you need a savior and that you have a sinful life and you want to walk away from that and you surrender your life over to Jesus, acknowledging that he incarnated everything that we just said in the Apostles' Creed, acknowledging that he what? Incarnated, that he was what? Crucified, that he was what? Resurrected, that he was what? Coming again. 
Our salvation is not based on what we do and how many services we attend. There's going to be a lot of church folk that made every service but won't make it into heaven. There's going to be a lot of church folk that served faithfully in ministry, even tithed, because some of us have a theology that informs us, I gave. I recently saw that for the first time, and I'm a late bloomer. I know Peter probably saw this earlier with Jenny uh, someplace else, uh, but I, I just saw it the other day, Hamilton. Hamilton. And the very first part of Hamilton, they start to sing this song, I want to be in the room. I want to be in the room when it goes down. I want to be at the table in the conversation. I'm remixing, that's the South Bronx version. I'm here to tell you it's not enough to be in the room. It's not enough to be at the table. You've got to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Born again does not mean that you're faithful to every service, though that's part of it. Doesn't mean that you are, that you are faithful to serving the poor, though that's part of it. Loving the homeless, though that's part of it. Feeding the hungry, though that's part of it. Those services are all part of disciplining you and serving and loving. Being born again is being able to see Jesus in another person as the imago Dei, as the image of God, no matter their color, no matter their sociopolitical ideology. I say this at our church all the time. A Republican is welcome in our church. A Democrat is welcome in our church. Straight people are welcome in our church. Gay people are welcome in our church because God died for all of us. And at the cross, there's enough grace to cover the sins of the world. Somebody say amen. There's enough forgiveness at the cross. Matter of fact, there's no bag that you walked in here with today that is too heavy for Jesus to carry, but you got to know him. It's not enough to say his name. It's not enough to say, say my name, say my name. No, no, you got to know him. You got to know him. Oh, is that what it is? I've been dropping texts left and right. Y'all been looking at me funny. I, I dropped Beyonce. He's like, oh, Al, no. Al. Lip service is not enough. Doing good works is not enough. It doesn't guarantee entry into glory. It means that you're in the way to have a thriving relationship that is challenging with Jesus. That's what it is. If your whole relationship with Jesus is, let me get to the next service at the David Greco school, then you don't have a relationship. You got a relationship to this experience. And I want to say this to you. This experience may not get you into glory unless you meet him. Unless you meet him. You know, Western Christianity has made it so easy for us to choose sides and have very short sight when it comes to how God moves and how God loves and where God goes. But the church that is biblical and surrendered and filled, the bride that's in love with her groom understands that her groom wants to love her. The Bible is a book that keeps us not out, but draws us in to a relationship with Jesus. Knowing Jesus is a daily effort. Now, you know, we come up here, we preach, we teach. There's a lot of academia in the room, a lot of theological education in the room, gifted preachers and teachers in this church, spiritual directors, counselors. This is a church. You heard how many groups y'all got? Y'all had a group to go watch a movie, a group for a picnic. I want to hear about the group that's doing the barbecue. Are any Korean barbecue groups going on? And as you get these three trucks to come bring all the flavor, make sure that you got a soul food truck. 
Because that, that truck is going to be empty quick, son. And make sure you have a, a, um, a Spanish truck, too, that has the diversity of both Mexican and Puerto Rican food. That's going to be some good eating. But there's so many groups here. There's so much activity here. You ain't got no excuse. You, got, you can be engaged, and being engaged can, can be dangerous sometimes. Are you in relationship? Knowing Jesus is a daily effort. We make it easy. We make it look easy as pastors. But I want to tell you something. It's not easy to, to, to get up every single day and serve Jesus. Every single day I get on my knees before God. And I say, Lord, thank you for another day of life. And Lord, I surrender. Now, I'm not getting saved every single day. I'm saved, sanctified, name in the book of life. But I re-surrender my senses and my mind and my life and my heart because I love him. Amen. The Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins. I got a lot of sins. Maybe you don't, but I do. Sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins that I don't know about and sins that I intentionally do. Come on. We all riding dirty up in here. Somebody say amen. Everybody up in here is riding dirty. Whether you crip walking or throwing blood or bang, bang, pop, pop, chop, chop, whatever it is. We all got sin in our lives and we all need Jesus. People say, I'm good. I'm a good person. Good people are going to hell. Because... It's not what you do. It's who you know. January 28th this year, um, we had just located to a new church, a new loft. We, had, we, we were feeling ourselves. We got 6,400 square feet loft in the South Bronx. We re-renovated it. The numbers of the, of, the, of the rental went down because of, of COVID and the pandemic. And our church moved in, rehabbed everything. We had a great first service, second service, third service. We said the revival is coming. The revival, we was feeling ourselves. We, we were like, oh my gosh. And then uh, that Monday on the third Sunday, that Monday morning at six o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from one of our pastors saying, Pastor Mike, our church is on fire. Apparently there was a fire in a, in a 99 cent store around the corner and up the block. Started there and ate nine businesses. Stopped at the corner and then ate three churches. And so now I'm getting up to this news. I mean, I haven't had coffee yet. I'm Puerto Rican. I need coffee before I can think. I haven't had coffee yet. And I get up, I fumble. I wake up my son, Matthew. Yo, get up. The church is on fire. We're now catching an Uber to St. Lawrence. And on the way over there, I get this phone call. And I, I thank God that, 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 that the Lord, he knows me. My Lord knows me. My Lord knows my name. And he loves me so much, he got the very hairs on my head counted. He knows me. He knows my going. He knows my coming. He knows my fear and my anxiety, my idiosyncrasy. My Lord knows me. And I'm in this cab, and I'm, I'm with my son. And my son is just stoic. He's looking straight, and I'm, I'm going through PTSD because this is not the first fire I've experienced. And I turn around, and I'm talking to myself. Listen to me. I'm talking to myself in this cab. I can get through this. I can do this. 
I can do this. I can face this. And my son is right here, my 30-year-old son, looking at me like, bro, what's the matter with you? And I'm going through the head trips because it's taking me right back to a place of pain and brokenness. And I turn around and I get out the car and the, and the NYPD's there and the, and the fire department's there. There's five trucks there. We can't get to the block. I get out of the cab a block away, walk in, and I'm looking at the church. The, the, the windows are caved in. Fire all over the place. The entire block is in smog. And I'm standing there. And I'm saying, I, I, can't, I can't believe this. And then I, I had this peace come upon me. Then I had this peace come upon me. Listen to me. I'm right facing same sort of trauma I faced 10 years ago with my own personal house. And I have this peace that lifts a weight off of me. And then I start to video to let other people know that I'm there. This is what's going on. And I start to talk about the fire. And as I start to talk about the fire, I found the strength to talk and to encourage the church. This is just stuff. We are the church. What's in there can be replaced. Thank God there's no loss of life. But we are the church. And we're going to stand and and get through this. I went through PTSD because the last time I was facing a fire like that, I was standing in front of my own house as as my neighbor throws his pregnant wife off the second floor window to save her because she's nine months pregnant because of the explosion that happens from his house to mine. You would think I'm living in Beirut. (laughs) Start South Bronx. And fires happen all the time there. And I turn around and I ask God a question. But Lord, I serve you. But Lord, I know you. But Lord, I'm faithful to you. And I didn't have a Bible verse or a theology. I didn't have a quote or a citation to wrap around that. The only thing I could do is say, Jesus, I don't understand, but I trust you. And if you're going to take everything from me, Liz, and the kids, I'm sure you're going to replace it. Now, the reality is there were some things that were lost in that fire that are irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. But my God allowed me to walk out with everybody that I loved dearest to my heart in this planet. Right? I'm standing now. 10 years later, facing a situation, and I'm saying, God, if you're going to do this, then you know what we need and how we're going to get through this. And by God's grace, I say that and I share that with you, let you know that it's times like that, I can't just say Lord and not know him. It's times like that, that I got to know who I'm talking to or else I'm talking to myself. Are you hearing me? When you pray, are you talking to yourself or are you talking to somebody? When I open my mouth to say, Jesus, I'm talking to somebody. I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to him, the lover of my soul. And whenever I make a phone call to Jesus in prayer, he never has a line that's busy. He always picks up the phone. He may not tell me what I want to hear, but he always responds to me when I pray to him. And sometimes no response is not yet. It's not no. It's like, wait a minute, papi, I got you. Relax right here and watch me work it out in the background as I transform the situation so that I get the glory 
and you can see clearly. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody this morning, but I want to let you know that as a minister of the gospel for the last three decades, I have to intentionally surrender my life to God. And I willingly do it because I love him and he loves me. And why is that? Because when I see you, I see him. Some people say, but where is God? You don't see him because you don't know him. And if you knew him, you would see him everywhere and in everyone and in every culture. You would see him and the African-Americans that are suffering from mass incarceration in this country. You would see him and the children that are still be taken to the border and thrown into detention centers, babies. You would see him in the streets of Newark and Patterson and the children and the gang members of the Trinitario gang, the Bloods gang, the Nietas gang, the Crips gang. You would see him in the kids in this school. You would see him in the NYPD. You would see him in the Black Lives Matter. You would see him. As, he, as he's dealing and reconciling with a broken world. We struggle daily as Christians and my brother and sister. It is not easy. Let me tell you how important this is to Jesus. He says it to us twice. Matthew 25, starting at verse 41. Now, this is a, this is a very important text in the New Testament. And the truth is, it's what we call an apocalyptic text. Revelation means to reveal, to take Right? And we get imagery in Matthew 25 of the sheep and the goats. And the imagery reveals to us that there's going to be a day. Matthew 7 says, and on that day, there's going to be a day that comes. There's going to be a separation of those that said, Lord, Lord, and those that said, Lord, and knew him. Matthew 25, this is how important it is to him. Verse 41 says this. And then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Talking about believers that weren't believers, but acted like believers. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. I question any Christianity that doesn't have sensitivity for the vulnerable. I question anyone who claims to be a Jesus believer and is okay with black boys getting shot in the street. I question any faith that allows children to be robbed of their mother's breasts and taken into detention centers with no care. I question any faith that says it's okay for Asian elderly women to get assaulted on the street over and over again or shot on their jobs over and over again. I question any faith that justifies the the loss of life. That's usually a sign, insensitivity toward the vulnerable, that you don't know who Jesus is. When rules, regulations, and religion supersede life, I don't know if anybody's hearing me today. And I know it's the 4th of July, and this may, this may not be your cup of tea. This is all I got for you. And then they will also answer saying, but Lord, this is a scary meter. Oh, yeah, man. Don't see a bird. This is it right here, dog. Check it out. Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? What's the implication there? That those that did see Right? They walked so in tune with Jesus that they fed 
Say, I'm feeding Jesus right now. This group did not see Jesus. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did it not to it, to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We've got to balance this out because this is not about working into heaven, but this is about living a life that works, living a life that serves. For it's by grace that we are saved and not through works. If you're taking notes, I want to say point number one. Point number one is this. Spiritual formation is not just doing, it's knowing Jesus personally. Spiritual formation is not just doing in ministry or doing in church or coming to services, though that's a small part of it. It's knowing Jesus personally. Point number two, spiritual formation is daily dedication to the offices. Hear me? And this is where we all drop it because nobody wants to be accountable to nobody. Or maybe that's just the South Bronx, dude. I don't know. Because whenever we talk about accountability, People are like, I'm grown. I don't need you to tell me what to do. I'm grown. I got mine. I got this. Yeah, you got it. Give us some time. And let's see how, how well you have it. And you find out. The offices of accountability, the office of prayer. Prayer is so important. Jesus is coming back for a church that's praying. Engaging community. I love that this church, for years from its inception, has always been mission outward facing. You have always, Metro's always been mission outward facing. Even with the fire, this church supported Promised Land. And we would not be able to function by God's grace, which is our sixth Sunday back in the building, totally rehabbed, because churches like Metro Community gave sacrificially to support us and to support the work of the ministry in the South Bronx. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's your church. This is another hard part in part number two. Point number two, prayer, engaging community, and deconstruction of your old self thinking to mature in your walk with Jesus. I can remember, now what do I mean by self-thinking? I want to park here just for a few seconds. I remember waking up every morning mad. I remember a time in my life I woke up every morning angry and nothing had happened for me to be angry the night before. I was just angry. I mean, somebody would say to me, good morning, good morning. What's so good about this morning? Somebody, just angry for no reason. And I lived a life of anger and a life of violence and a life of addiction. I needed Jesus to deal with my thinking process. And I moved from being angry to being grateful. Because I had a list. We all got a list. I had a list and my mother was in jail, my father was in jail, my grandmother was an immigrant. I didn't know we were poor. I was on drugs. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have an education. I was struggling. I had a list of reasons why I hated life. Until that one day, I went to a service and 
I surrendered my life to Jesus. And then after that, I started to read the Bible. And then after that, I started to find out that I'm not supposed to fear. Because Isaiah 9, 49 says, fear not for I'm with thee. Be not dismayed for I am thy God, yea, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. And then when I went to Bible school, I found out what the right hand of righteousness meant. This is God speaking in Torah to Israel. Who's at the right hand of the Father? Jesus. And who's upholding me? Jesus. And who loves me? Jesus. And so God so loved me that he gave his son that I would not perish in sin but have everlasting life in relationship with him for all eternity. This is the good news. But I've got to be able to receive that in my thinking. And that means I've got to deconstruct. I've got to tear it down. That means I've got to have new input to change this computer. Point number three. Spiritual formation is moving past. Somebody say past. past. Wake up and say past. past. Spiritual formation is moving past superficial religion into thriving relationship and embracing Jesus that transitions us into the kingdom of God. I'm not saved because of what I do. I am saved by the grace extended to me by who I know. When I say, Lord, I'm talking to someone. And someone's responding. And I've seen too much of Jesus not to look for him and call on him. And so it's my hope and it's my desire that there's some Neos and Trinities here today and that you would move past just saying his name. But believe that he loves you and that he's called you and that you're chosen by God. This is the word of the Lord. If you can receive it, say amen. We're going to spend some time in just responding to that. It's a word I think that we all needed to hear today, uh, including myself. Can we bow our heads and let's respond to it? Um, maybe it's been hard for you to believe. Maybe that's been a real big challenge for you because um, there are so many different things that has happened in your life that's caused you not to. But in this service that maybe you began to start to believe again. Maybe believe in some of the most impossible things that you struggled with in the past. This is your time to come back to Jesus and to recommit yourself to our Lord. I believe God's calling you to do that. And if that's you, I believe there are a lot of folks that might have strayed maybe during this pandemic. You've, you've kind of been the prodigal, but God is waiting for you. The Father's waiting for you and he's ready to welcome you back. And if that's you, would you go to him right now? And would you just repeat this prayer quietly where you are? Father, thank you for receiving me yet again. Thank you for always believing in me so much more than I believe in myself. I pray that you would forgive me for my sins. And will you allow me to never leave the house of the Father again? Father, help me to know the depths of who you are. Help me not to allow my fears to become bigger than you. 
and help me even when I don't have the passion for you, that I will still be faithful to you. I hope you pray that prayer. And if you did, I want you to know that God has welcomed you back. Don't let this opportunity pass. Get connected to God, connected to the church in a powerful way. But there's some of you here today, maybe you've never said yes to God. Maybe you grew up in the church, but it's never been something you've actually said personally. Maybe you inherited your faith from your parents, but you've never said yes. You are my Lord. Maybe the Lord has been your parents' Lord, but he's never been your own personal Lord and Savior. And this is an opportunity for you to open your heart and to welcome Jesus into your life where he will become your Lord. If you're sensing that and you are not a Christian, maybe you kind of grew up in the culture of Christianity, but now you want to take full ownership of your faith in Jesus, let's go to him in prayer. And you can pray to him however you like to, but if you need some guidance, just say this prayer quietly where you are. Lord Jesus, I submit myself to you and I confess with my own mouth that you are my Lord and Savior. I surrender myself to you completely. And I ask that you would forgive me for all of my sins. I ask that you would forgive me for so many years of going to the church but not really knowing you. But thank you, Jesus, for coming and speaking to me powerfully today. And today is the day where I will take, on this Independence Day, I will take full ownership of my faith in you. If you've prayed that prayer, the heavens are celebrating because you've given your life to Jesus. And it says your name is now written in the book of life. Lord, I know you're here and I know you're speaking to each and every one of us. And so God, I pray that you would just continue to speak to us. Thank you, God, that we can come to you and ask for your forgiveness regularly. Because I do know, God, that we deserve, we deserve, we need your forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy right now. And I pray for all those who've recommitted themselves to you, God. Lord, that this would not just be a perpetual thing where they kind of go and fall, go and fall, go to the house and leave the house. But God, that they would stay in the Father's house because they know that there is no other house they would rather live in than in yours. Help them to grow. Help them to truly know you so that they will be able to live this life in which you have called them to live. And I pray for those who've given their lives to you for the very first time, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to them. God, that you would guide them, that they would be full participants of the body of Christ, God, so knowing, God, they cannot be lone rangers by themselves. But God, they would open themselves up to a body, maybe here, here at Metro, maybe another place. But God, that they would begin to enter into this life knowing, God, that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, to own my faith is to live in deep relationships with other Christians. And I pray for those, God, who have been hurt by other Christians. I pray for those, God, who have said that they will never connect with another Christian again in a deep way because of the burn that they felt. I pray for healing upon their lives. And I pray you would restore their faith in you. And God, that they would be able to be open again to living in relationships 
with good, trusted brothers and sisters in Christ. Bring people into their lives. God, thank you for this time. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. If you turn to your communication card, there are some next steps that we'd love for you to take. And please, um, it's, on your, it's on your app or it's on emetro.org slash Sunday. Please just turn there with me. The first thing is this. If you prayed the prayer where you surrendered your life to Jesus for the first time, would you please check that off as a Peter today? I committed my life to Jesus for the very first time. And if you've checked that off and you are in the sanctuary directly after this service, if you go to the information table, we have a new believers packet for you. Pastor David Hoseng will be there and he would love to give that to you and find ways where maybe he can connect with you more and how you can grow in this relationship. We won't let you do this by yourself because you can't, you can't, all right? Second, I will connect with a Metro pastor or leader in this church for some honest and transparent filtering. It's time that you bear your soul. We were never created to have secrets in life because those secrets lead us into a very dark and dirty place. Maybe it's time for you to confess it and really encounter God's mercy and grace in a powerful way. Check that off and make sure you do that this week. Third, I will grow in deeper relationships with Jesus by entering into a friendship or community group where I can be vulnerable. That you would intentionally do that. You know, all of our small groups, you know, the fellowship groups are fellowship centered, but all of our small groups are really centered around that. That you would begin to be a part of groups, smaller groups, so you can be vulnerable. Look for vulnerable communities. That's key. Fourth, I will read Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, a great, great book on spiritual disciplines. It's a classic. You won't be sorry if you pick that book up and take a look at it. And again, sign up for the summer small groups. You can do that on our app, online, um, at emetro.org slash Sunday.